You are now listening to Carly's Couch. I'm Carly. And I'm Lex. In this podcast, we discuss a wide array of topics about life and how to live your best life. Whatever that looks like for you. Hope y'all enjoy. Valentine's Day. Man, I'm so excited. How you feeling today, Lex? Why are you excited? Because it's Valentine's Day. I love oh. love and I'm corny <laughs> as hell. So it's a perfect holiday for me. Oh, that's good. I um, I remember growing up, like my parents used to always like leave us little gifts and stuff on the table. So um, I do like Valentine's Day as well. I hope everybody's enjoying their day and we're about to make it a little bit more special. A little bit more spicy, if you will. <laughs> Yeah, that too. <laughs> that too, that too. It's Valentine's Day, so what better topic to discuss than sex and sexual relationships and intimacy and relationships. But I said sex first because I think that was juicier and, and maybe people will keep listening to, <laughs> to the episode today. And that's what I wanted to ask about too. So um, so let me introduce our guest for those watching. You see her here smiling brightly in her beautiful red blouse for the holiday. Um, would you like to introduce her? Today we're chatting with Dr. Stasia Gordon, whose primary focus includes couples and sex therapy in a private practice setting. She facilitates workshops on emotional healing from racial trauma, as well as hosts workshops to address assumptions around sex and sexuality. She also facilitates discussions on how to navigate through sexual rejection and trauma. Her relational growth I can't, can I her read? Passion. I can't read. Her passion <laughs> overall is facilitating safe, mutual, and consensual spaces with, where mindfulness, relational growth, and healthy sexual communication can coexist. Thank you for being here with us, Dr. Stasia. Yeah, thank you both for having me here. Like I said, I'm excited. I'm always excited to talk about sex and sexuality, so awesome. <laughs> we manifested this because we've been saying we need to have a sex therapist on the couch mm -hmm. for months. So I'm super, mm -hmm. super excited that you're here. Um, whenever we were thinking about questions for the episode, I was like, Carly, you got to chill because the episode's being, yeah. you know, 30, 45 <laughs> minutes and I was just still typing. And she just made me think of one kind of like intro question is how do you feel about the state of conversation around sex and relationships right now? Um, I'm glad that it's starting to happen more. Um, I do feel like there's still some, I don't know, some hesitation around it. Um, and it's partly because of like just what's coming up in society around the topic of sex and sexuality. But I am glad that it's starting to open up a lot more um, because it needs to happen. <laughs> and and some civilization, because that's where it seems like real tight and repressed is, is when you look at certain areas, certain countries air quote, more civilized areas, et cetera. And it's like, y'all need to free yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, honestly, because I feel like there's a lot of things that come up in my practice that I'm like, you know, it, it's because the conversation is not being had that, you know, a lot of people are having like sexual issues. Um, so yeah, so my biggest thing is always about like, you know, promoting the means to have a conversation and in safe spaces too, because not every space is a safe space to talk, so. One million percent. Um, is it your own personal journey with sex and intimacy and relationships that kind of led you to this work or how did you get here? Uh, it was personal, more so personal, but um, definitely like an undergrad. Um, it was also, again, just not really having the talk 
um, about it, uh, running into people that didn't know certain parts of their own bodies that I was just like, oh, like G spot, what is that? And I'm like, we're in college, y'all. Like, we don't, we don't know what this is. Like, you know, and not to like, you know, shame anyone or anything, but there was moments where I'm like, well, wait, how did you get it? You know, and I felt privileged enough to have at least some more accessible information around sex, um, you know, like sex education in like middle school, high school. Um, and it was done in a way where it wasn't just about like hygiene or um, like what not to do, how not to get pregnant, uh, but actually like different acts in terms of sex, you know, like oral sex and things like that. So um which was very rare that's really rare because most of the time it's more so like the do's and don'ts and you know how to make sure you don't get an sti and then that's it yeah it seems like we talk more about rules instead of like what is this actually about and what is it for um one thing we saw on your website in a few places was pleasure is a birthright can you expand upon that thought yeah, so that thought actually came from Dr. Carol Queen, who's a clinical sexologist in San Francisco. And I actually had the privilege of working under her at um, what's considered like an adult sex shop, but it's very much a part of like um, the, the community out there in San Francisco, where um, it's a women, uh, well, sex positive, women friendly uh, store that actually has a sex educational department that she runs. And so that's where my more formal sex education started. And um, yeah, she always said that's in her books and it's something that I'm more than happy to spread in terms of like message because yeah, it's not just about sex being uh, something that you know you do it's something that you also get to experience and have a pleasurable experience and have a right to you know the means of access and especially long as uh, or so long as everyone is is consensual no I love that and I saw that and I was like yes pleasure is a birthright but I feel like that's just something that I'm starting to understand like I started to understand in my late 20s and now early 30s I'm really like actually understanding that because um, I'm from Oklahoma and they don't have sexual education there. It's just don't get pregnant um, or you're going to go to hell. So then there's that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really shapes, you know, our relationships with our bodies and with our partners and with exploring and actually experiencing it. Like you said, like enjoying it. It's, a, it's an adventure and it's an experience. Um, so that leads me kind of to the question is like, how do we know if we have a healthy relationship with sex? Like what does the healthy relationship with sex um, with ourselves and with others look like? Yeah. So like, that's a lot of like reflective questions that are coming up to say, like, where are you at with that? Um, and I can just kind of like convey like what happens in sessions typically when I'm starting out with clients that are coming in with sexual issues. Because um, it's really about like, you know, knowing yourself, knowing about like, what are some messages about sex that you were told? Um, do you believe in those messages? You know, are there messages that you feel like you're part of like this unlearning process to say like, nope, that's, that's not how I think of sex or that's not how I want to show up in a sexual way with someone. So you're doing a lot to reflect on like messages that have already been communicated in some way, whether uh, it was the wrong message, whether it was kind of mixed up and, you know, maybe it's based on context, you know, or, you know, it's actually a message that you're, you're for and you want to show up in that way. So, um, you know, 
for instance, like a lot of times there's like this message around like what's considered kinky or not. And it's like, well, you know, before we put like labels on what's kinky or not, like, how do you feel about it? Like what, what messages are being said around the word kink? And there's so many different messages for just the average person to say like kink, you know, can mean something extreme or bad, or it can be freeing. It just depends on where people are at with it. So is there a way for us to assess like if we have a healthy relationship like are there any signs that maybe that stand out blatantly that you don't have a healthy relationship with sex maybe if you can't communicate around it or you know what yeah. those be in moments where it's unhealthy i think is when you feel like you don't have a sense of agency you don't get to um say like what it is that you're interested in trying what it is that you actually maybe expect or enjoy um you know, if it's more uh, involving like coercion, and that's important because a lot of times it's not just like assault, it's like you being, you know, indirectly uh, pushed to do something that you don't want to do. So when you don't have that sense of agency to speak for yourself and how your own body is coming into play, you know, when you're engaging sexually, that's when we start to question whether something's healthy or not. Mm -hmm. And I was also actually listening to some podcasts earlier today, and, and there was the word ownership that came around out about around speaking to this woman saying well you're just now getting a sense of ownership of your sexuality and of sex as in like all this time to your point i've just been listening to what the church said or what my parents said or what everybody said and now to like actually discover that um it sounds like the first step towards like really making sure you have a healthy relationship is just asking yourself those questions and then maybe just challenging those um so that's something probably all of us could do to some level um I want another term I hear a lot of is performance based when we're talking about sex. Um, some people kind of complaining about that and or um, I think in society sometimes like you'll you'll hear people talk about a pressure during sex, especially men like I'll have a pressure to like perform. What is performance based sex and then is there something else to balance that out against. Yeah, so performance sex is like how you think you should, um, well, I'm getting tongue-tied, but how you think you should show up. And when you think of the word performance, it's like putting on a show. It's like, you know, and are you showing up in that way and in a way that feels comfortable to you uh, versus just also when it's more just about pleasure and being present in the moment and just having the experience. Because a lot of times people get caught up in this idea of showing up in a way that they think they should show up. And um, like, for instance, if we look at it in terms of like men and, and a lot of times that it's directly or indirectly associated with toxic masculinity, this idea of everything being focused around the penis and like everything being focused on penetrative sex, but we're not really factoring in like how someone else may show up as well. But a lot of times it can be like the pressure on men to, you know, perform and have um, what I have jokingly called like stroke for days, like, you know, being able to, uh, you know, have like a means of rhythm and then have everything focused on being able to deliver in that way. And by deliver, it's like have an orgasm. Um, which can put a lot of pressure on men. Some men are okay with it. A lot of men actually in my uh, sessions with them, they can find it freeing to understand that, oh, it doesn't always have to be on me to actually deliver versus like, uh, you know, my partner can also have a say so in that. Mm -hmm. I think that's huge. Um, where do you think that mindset comes from? Like the, that I have to show up and it has to be like this. Like, where do you think that stems from? 
um it stems from society like just to keep that short but just society's expectation of like men and really also um you know patriarchal views about how men are supposed to be like the masters of sex and a lot of times they're they're really not um there's more and more information i've had it in my sessions too where um you know a lot of times men get information from porn and it's mainstream porn which is not accurate porn um so i've always had to explain like you know porn gives like a, a view um, or a fantasy of, of what sex could be, but it isn't. And it's very unrealistic in a lot of ways. Um, but they will use that to, to say like, this is like, you know, how, like for instance, and I'm being very cis-hetero when I say this, but how a woman should be positioned and what I'm supposed to be doing and, you know, not necessarily focused on, you know, the other person and how they may even want to show up. How we can we like create this safe, like non-judgmental space for ourselves? Um, you know, because we're new to this as well, like sex positive, like healthy relationships, and to explore this intimacy. Like, do you have steps like that you give or that are you know that people can use to create these spaces to you know start maybe even talking about it? Yeah, I mean, I have different things that I actually give to people to actually be able to talk about it. Um, one is like uh, like the self help book that actually just starts out with like even. Uh, given like what you call a general sex history as a way of like learning about each other, you know, like what did, where did you learn, you know, for instance, like uh, other forms of sex besides what is considered intercourse, like, you know, where did you learn it and why and you give like an opportunity for your partner to also like step in and, you know, maybe have some conversations with it and encourage it. Um, also, uh, just to like back up a little bit, the book actually that I have right next to me uh, starts out with talking about emotional uh, safety and what does that look like and how do you actually create a space for that. Um, part of it is being open to just having a dialogue and seeing where a person is at to start having conversations around sex so it's not just something you're just doing. Um, and it's not easy to do. Part of it is like getting through what feels like these awkward moments where it's like, okay, like nobody ever mirrored this for me. Nobody ever said it was like, okay to talk about, it, but I'm just gonna break the barrier because I don't wanna be on repeat of some experiences that I've had. We need to change up the game a bit. And so sometimes like being your own advocate to say like, I, I do wanna show up differently. And I wanna see if it's okay to start having these conversations. This might kind of go along with what you were just saying, but do you have anything different that you would also add um, in response to this question of, hey, I have a partner who does not, is not initiating as much and like they enjoy sex, but you know, it feels like you have to do all of it or the other way around. Like, oh, I feel like, you know, I just let it happen. And there's things I might want to do, but I'm, it's shyness or it's, you know, you're just not really initiating because you feel like somebody else should. Um, how can you get out of that kind of a space? I would talk to them about like what it means for both of them to initiate because sometimes there's two different definitions that are happening with initiation um, and what's expected when one person initiate versus the other. Um, also, uh, there can be certain things going on too where they uh, probably need more of an emotional connection to be in a place where they can initiate. Um, and I also feel like, is there gender roles that are playing out to say like, oh, as a woman, I'm not supposed to initiate anything. You as the guy, is, you're supposed to do that. Or, you know, if it's the other way around, sometimes it's the other way around where a guy doesn't really want to initiate. We are in an interesting time where men are just kind of like, you know, what, just let me know what you want to do because I don't want to come off a certain way. So just let me know. Um, and, you know, although that's understandable, that's actually like shying away from like actually addressing it versus you still being able to show 
up in your own way and express that you actually want to be with that person and in this way. So um, I hope that answered your question, but yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, and also makes me think about just the idea of foreplay in general. I've heard, um, it was very recently also, I heard a definition of foreplay. They were like, when the last orgasm ends and the next one begins, like that whole time, like everything you're doing, right? Like when you're walking past your girlfriend in the kitchen and you like touch her shoulder and all of that, um, outside of just the maybe two minutes or two seconds that you touch somebody right before you have intercourse. Um, do you have any thoughts about foreplay and the importance of that or how that can be better or how that can energize or revitalize? Yeah, I think foreplay is very important. I also think it, like the way you described it, it needs to be redefined because a lot of times people will just be like foreplay, like beginning play, and then it'll stop. And then, yeah, and then we're just getting right into sex, whatever that means for them. And it's like, well, no, you can be engaging in foreplay throughout. It does not. And I I actually remember my, um, you know, I do consider a mentor, uh, Dr. Carol Queen that I mentioned earlier. Um, she honestly was advocating for the word to just be removed <laughs> because it's a problem because the idea is that it's beginning and then there's a beginning and then it stops and it goes elsewhere versus incorporating that throughout. Um, so sometimes having to have conversation of like, if you were to play with like the identity, the idea of extended play and, you know, there being different types of sexual play in between that, like, what does that look like to you? You know, so um, I know that sometimes I'll even ask that question, like, okay, like, what, what is foreplay to you, you know, and they'll give me like their definition or their understanding of it. And then I start to explore like, well, okay, what if you actually incorporated this type of sexual play here rather than just there at the beginning what if you you know included stroking or petting or anything like that um you know while you're engaging sexually like does it have to happen here or can you actually incorporate this at another time so um so a lot of times it's actually exploring like this timeline that they actually create everyone has like their own interesting timeline when it comes to sex so they get to explore that and i get to kind of go in and just kind of throw like a monkey wrench into it and say what about here what about there like would this be okay here and how does the other person feel about that that's super cool i've never actually thought about a timeline for sex and what that like looks like in my head but also I've never it's so funny I've never actually had the conversation like what does foreplay mean to you with a partner I've never asked somebody that um yeah there are a lot of conversations that people need to be having about sex that just are not happening that's so interesting but also I think it's kind of hard or or maybe it's viewed as hard because to have a conversation about sex a lot of times it's probably at the point where it's like hey I kind of want something different or like you know now it's like how do we do this without it feeling like it's about to turn into an argument or a blame game or something else? Um, so like, how do you, well, I guess the answer is just to do it. I was gonna say, how do you like have these conversations before you get to a point where it's like, you're trying to repair something or trying to figure something out, which I think is then when we explore that. But um, I don't know, maybe we just need to be a little bit more vulnerable and just talk about it. Partly, yes. I think that's a bigger piece too. Um, and I know like if there's always like this defensive response or if it's going to build into like some type of issue or conflict that can happen, part of that is asking like what is coming up for you right now because, you know, we are just talking about sex and what could be a possibility in terms of how we engage sexually. So something is coming up, the reason why there is a means to get defensive, you know, and a lot of times sex has a strong hold on how we identify or how we see ourselves and in that context too. And so we're having to like pull back like, okay, what I 
identity is it what piece of your identity is it pulling on because a lot of times if it's pulling on something it's it's also possibly saying something along the lines of saying you're not showing up a certain way or you're not doing enough or you're not doing a good job um but you know this kind of brings me back to um as you were talking about like how do we have like conversations where people don't feel so defensive or it leads to an argument sometimes you have to create a context where it's more of a game it's a means to be curious um, and I actually have offered up games that talk about different topics related to sex and sexuality that you can do as a couple. It could be a card game. Um, there's actual board games. I don't know if you ever like been to like a sex shop and there's like this novelty section is what they typically call it, but they have all types of games and stuff and couples actually can engage in that and in a way that just takes the pressure off of having like what feels like a serious conversation and it's supposed to be a conversation on adult play. So. That makes sense. Go ahead. No, um, yeah, I yeah, I actually haven't been to the novelty section, but now next time I go, I'm <laughs> gonna go look at that because I think that that's great. Because I had a question around, um, like you said, identity, and the reason why we might not explore things is because it might make me look like a slut, or it might, you know, if he thinks that I like this, he's gonna think I'm kinky. Like you said earlier, you know, these labels that we have. So for men and women, um who have these labels, you know, and might be less open to trying things because they're scared it makes them gay or feminine or weak or slutty or, you know, whatever. Um, do you have any tips or thoughts around that? Like, so to help, to help us like remove those identities or to explore those things? Yeah, I mean, part of the way that I start that, and is it more of like having a conversation with your partner if that's something that's coming up for them? Or is it just something I would maybe respond to and say? Well, I, so part of like what I heard out of what she said too was like, like I know a lot of guys that they don't even like if you like pat their butt. And it's like, not, not that maybe you're trying to change that, but just like, how do, you know, it's like, hey, oh, I no, so I can use this as an example. I just had this conversation yesterday with, with one of my best friends, um, who's a guy, and we were talking, he was talking about his first experience with a bidet. Um, he was like, yeah, me and me and my friend were at uh, this person's house and they had a bidet, and, and he came out with tears in his eyes. He was like, oh, that was great. He said, man, I went in there and I was like, you know what? I kind of get it, but also that's not, you know, I'm still not not gonna let that happen for real with, with my, his fiance now. You know, it's not something I'm really gonna get into, but I, I get it. And I feel like, man, there's probably a whole lot missing out on. But he, he literally said this, but I'm good with um, like my regular like penetrate, not just penetration, because let me not cut everything out. But like, he's good with, you know, penis mm -hmm. in the vagina and like, we don't need, I don't need nothing inside of me. No, don't play around back there, anything. And so I, just that thought, right? That is so interesting that he's like, oh, I kind of get it. And I know we have all those extra things in there, but I don't want to do that. And that was mm -hmm. actually the inspiration of my question. What does that say about me? Yeah, and you know, very physically, like at least from what I've read, like they actually have a spot there. You know, that yeah, could that's be very pleasant. Like, yeah, no, he's like my G spot is right there, and it's I'm, right but there. I'm good. But most, but, but a lot of men, I won't say most, but a lot of men are like, nah. But I and I know some who are like, yeah, that's great. So, yeah, and you know, when you were having this conversation, uh, were there like some questions around, like, well, why not? Like, you know, I'm, I'm curious as to like why you're saying you're good. Um, did I, I, I'm trying to remember what the context while we were even talking about this in general, uh, was I really don't remember, but, um, I don't think so. But other times I've had it, it was like, that is what it is. They're like, yeah, I just don't, I don't, you know, you don't want to toy with the line of, am I gay or do I like something else? Or, you know, I just want to feel secure in what I, 
think I know. Yeah. And so, you know, which is interesting because I have had conversations with men in that regard, but it's like what I found that will happen, it, it'll be either they're open to just expressing like, you know, that's just uncomfortable because yeah, it can be seen as something that, you know, is picture in their minds that's something that gay men would do. And then there's this part of me too, when I'm there, I want to have this dialogue as a way of advocating and saying like, well, not all gay men actually like it. And, you know, there is this spot that you have that's similar to like a woman having a G spot. And so sometimes I can have like what I call a sex geek out moment and I don't mind sharing it. Um, but I also feel like I'm cautious about where that person is at because sometimes people are not receptive to even hearing that. But I know like that's important too. Like if you have a partner that's very uh, restricted and say you're interested in trying something and they don't want to try that, um, if anything is more of a conversation of understanding why and seeing if they're open to having like that conversation around like, you know, uh, one, there are other men that do that and their sexuality is not called into question at all. Um, but at the same time, understanding like that is something that, you know, you don't want to necessarily force on them if they don't want to have that conversation. Um, and honestly, like when I have uh, clients that do come in, it will come up and then that's where I kind of step in to say like, hey, like I get to kind of play the advocate in this moment, but at the same time, I also get to understand you and your personal walk, you know, when it comes to how you see yourself as a sexual being. Um, and so with that, I can start to question things and kind of dismantle some um, and it takes it off of the other partner because also, I guess what I'm trying to say overall too is sometimes it's like you want to make sure you're not stepping into a role as like a professional or a therapist and trying to pry in what could be very private until like that safe space is created to talk about it. Or trying to control somebody. Mm -hmm. I remember I used to like just being a person who like make them try something different and it's like I don't actually really care about it. I just, I just wanted to see. Um, <laughs> that's, that's another issue for another therapy <laughs> session. Um, so I, I see portrayed in media as well as in a lot of like people I know's lives that it appears to be over time in a relationship in marriage etc that the sex just gets so dead like and that could be for a variety of reasons I'm sure um but what are your thoughts on let's say you're with somebody for 7 10 15 years whatever and they want to spark up that the eroticism they want to spark up that area what tips would you give for that um so if they're wanting to spark up their relationship i definitely one is letting your partner know and letting your partner know that this has been on your mind for some time because there's typically like the one that wants to and then the other person that's like either i'm fine or it is what it is uh you know we're getting older we have kids now like things have changed maybe to where um they're going through certain life stages and um or sorry life stages and also their their bodies are changing too you know what was once that sweet spot that you have probably is annoying you know <laughs> especially if like for instance i think of like certain parts of like your torso area that does change as a result of like having kids for instance and what you know could have been that area that you know if you were to kiss me there or something like that it would have felt really good now it's just kind of annoying like stop touching me right there so um so yeah so sometimes it's like having to revisit one like you know where the other person is at um but then also like um you know where you want to maybe get to if you want to like spice things up and explore like what do you actually have going on in your mind like what does that mean to you when you say spice up and, and explore um so 
Um, and one thing that I actually do with couples um, in moments where they're coming in is, and they can actually do this like, um, you know, outside of, uh, of a session and, and on their own, but I don't know if you've heard of like the yes, no, maybe list. Um, a lot of adult stores um, at one point would have it, like you can walk in and you can actually get the list and um, you can list things that is a definite yes for you in terms of maybe what you wanna try or what you're into. And then there's like the maybe list where it just depends on, uh, you know, certain conditions that might teeter towards the yes. And then there's the absolute like no, which pretty much is like a hell no, <laughs> we're not doing that. And being able to obviously respect what's on that no list. Um, but what that does is actually offer up conversations of what and why and, you know, what's changed. Um, a lot of times couples are surprised, um, especially when they are trying to, you know, revamp like their sex life to say like, oh, I didn't even know this was in the yes category for you. Like, okay, like what made you like interested in that? And so they'll actually start having a conversation right in front of me and I kind of just fall into like the background. I'm like, that's great. I, I don't actually need to be in this conversation between you two. So. No, that's, that's great. I think that that's super helpful. And to your point, like, you know, anytime you can open up conversation about sex is a great thing, you know, in a safe space. Um, in a similar vein, we had a listener reach out and have a question for you. Um, and it's so if, if somebody's like on medication or life is life in and libidos are different. So, you know, somebody's stressed out from work, libido is zero. The other person's always on a hundred. Um, do you have any tips on there's two, two parts. One is how to deal with the low libido. And then the second part is like how to communicate and uplift your partner if maybe they're feeling a little bit detached or a little bit let down because your libido isn't what it used to be or maybe just isn't very high. Yeah, so um, that's where it kind of gets um, into the realm of like having like a psychiatrist. Sometimes we do very... Um, uh what we call integrative work so we're actually working alongside with like say like a psychiatrist that's prescribing the medication um because sometimes like there is certain medication that will impact your libido and you want to see if maybe it's a means of shifting the amount that's like given um so the dosage or um you know seeing if there's like a different medication altogether but that just depends on how much like uh, a person wants to prioritize that because for some people like having an active sex life really matters to them and so they see like a, a shift as a result of medication that's where you know i start to collaborate with say like their psychiatrist and seeing if there's a possibility to see if that can change or sometimes if it's more so just feeling like um because what can happen too is uh, people have different arousal points, you know, uh, there's some partners where all you have to do is like touch them and then all of a sudden they get readily aroused. And for some people, they need more of a buildup. And so sometimes that might involve like doing things that can actually help to build up their arousal point and they can get there. They might get there a little later, but they'll still get there nonetheless. Um, so I would probably have to like, you know, well, I know I would probably have to go in there and say like, hey, like what has it been like or what's been your experience in moments where you've gotten aroused and why were you aroused? If you think about the last time you had sex, what got you to that point where you actually felt desirous for your partner? So um, yeah, and understanding that that's going to be different and medication can have an impact on that. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's gone. You just might need to rework that. What are your thoughts on scheduling sex? I've seen some people say, um, that they would they recommended it and while at first it may seem like oh we have to schedule it it's not you know it's whatever but it's like oh you schedule other things so at least this still is like putting that time aside um is that something that you would advise or like nah, just let it happen um 
I, I think it depends on the, the couple. Um, and when I think of that, I think of like one of two things that can happen where, you know, some people feel like it's going to basically kill the moment of like spontaneity. And that's like always the concern. But what actually like scheduling sex can do is build up anticipation. So if you're both willing to be curious, use that as a moment to explore it, maybe get into something different or new that you get to try and you can get excited about, you know that the time is ticking is getting to that point. Um, and especially if, again, if there's like this acknowledgement of like having different arousal points, you know, to say like, I would need more of a buildup, maybe like kisses and hugs, you know, maybe cuddling or something, doing something around the house and cleaning. And, you know, a lot of times like people get turned on by that. It's like, this place is neat, it's clean. And I'm just, I'm so excited about that. And I'm excited that you were part of that. So, um, so yeah, so I, I hope that answers your question. Cause I kind of went right into that, you know, example, but um yeah yeah i think that that's huge um if you i mean you probably have tons of pieces of advice but if you could think of like three main tips or like common pieces of advice for like successful you know reciprocal sexual partnerships and like keeping it fun and spicy could you give three tips um to couples um keeping communication open you know like that always seems like cliche but i mean like keeping it fun and really involving like a state of curiosity you know because a lot of times there's like just expectations versus like you know what is it that you're you could maybe be curious about sex you know because sometimes people feel like yeah no i'm not curious but if you did and and or if you look back at a time where maybe like you know, you were very like sexually active or you were curious about sex, you know, what is it about it that made you so curious? And, you know, how can you incorporate that curiosity with you and your partner? Um, sometimes I do think um, trying things that actually help facilitate conversations. Like I know, like it sounds, I don't know, sometimes people find it not so sexy to incorporate what I had mentioned about like card games or even like a board game um, or what I had noted was like um, this book, which um, a lot of people find the title very funny because it's called Unfuck Your Intimacy. Um, so this uh, book, again, it just also helps to uh, facilitate conversations that you get to have that you typically wouldn't do on your own and sometimes you don't even think to even ask certain questions until you see it in a book like that uh, which the reason why i have that on me is because it's a really good book if you just want to do like some self-help type of work as a couple um you know doctor her name is uh dr faith harper the author um she um has everything in layman terms and and funny enough and she likes to use the word uh fuck a lot and i i appreciate that because it's kind of you know really proving a point in, in the way that she's writing it to say like hey and we're going to dialogue about this in layman terms so that you can understand it and really feel like it's it's related to you because most of the time nobody's saying penis nobody's saying vagina they're saying other things so she incorporates that um this is the last thing I kind of want to touch on before we um, kind of show our appreciation to you and thank you for being on the show. We so and you you kind of alluded to this earlier. We've mostly been talking about like cis hetero relationships and sexual experiences. Can you talk about um, just like the spectrum of sexuality and just like what are what are the things you may be aware of? Um, in different instances, what are things that, you know, might not be talked about? I don't know, that's like a super broad question, but I just, in general, like for folks who may um, be interested in women and men or men interested in men or whatever, right? What is important in that space of trying to probably, a lot of times, 
understand what you want, what you like, and then navigating sex in the world in that way. Yeah. So um, when I hear like uh, uh, cis hetero, um, you know, I think of like people who were, you know, assigned a gender and still identify with that gender uh, from birth uh, versus someone who's like transgender and maybe, you know, um, a tra sorry, transgender and who basically doesn't identify with their assigned gender from birth. Um, and so when we look at people in terms of like, you know, preference of who, who they're sexually attracted to, um, sometimes it's helpful to maybe like remove like, uh, you know, uh, things that are very gender specific versus like, you know, if I'm interested in having sex with someone who also has another penis, like, you know, what could that look like? And, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, having to open up the door to get, I wouldn't say get rid of, but maybe highlight some things about sex that are really focused on uh, cis-hetero relationships. Um, so between uh, a man and a woman and what's expected versus like uh, also getting to a place that uh, was used, it was a term that was coined in terms of queering up sex to say like, hey, we're not going to uh, boxing in to make it focused on, you know, uh, penetrative sex, if that's not something that we're both into, we might be into, uh, you know, like oral sex or um, manual sex. So, you know, using like our hands, sometimes people say digital sex, but, um, you know, bringing up this idea of like this, this idea of what is uh, involving a beginning, middle and end when it comes to sex versus like, what is enjoyable, what is pleasurable for us. So a lot of times it's very it's very broad depending on who is showing up and who is, a sex, uh, is sexually attracted to whom at that time. Um, but it's basically talking about how do we kind of free up and liberate, you know, this idea of how we show up sexually and not also go along with what larger uh, hetero-based societies will say. So like in general, we could talk about sex more without it even having to be those particular examples um, because it's so much more than that for, for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. So like freeing it up so that it's not just boxed in based on like sexual expectations that typically involve uh, the diet between like someone with a penis and vagina. Mm -hmm. And then my supplementary question hearing all of that um, is how important is self-sex? Like, we talked a lot like, you know, with partners, but how important is your journey like with getting to know your own body and exploring your sexuality yourself like do you have clients that come to you that you know maybe don't have partners and are just you know exploring their own like how important would you say self-sex is and do you have any tips around that yeah so I'm very much an advocate for self-sex because I also uh feel like it helps you to be able to convey like what it is that you're interested in um you know what it is that you like um maybe even what you're curious about um it, and also, if you're doing it from a place where it's like acceptance around it, because one, you know, um, solo sex can be very pleasurable sex. It can also be stress relieving. Um, and I, I remember actually reading like this article on Afrosexology. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a, it's a website and it has like different blogs and articles on uh, topics related to sex and, and black sexuality. And so um, yeah, so it, I just remember this picture of uh, someone who was seen as, uh, you know, more, uh, I, I guess I want to say feminine, you know, because of the features that were shown 
um, and what was described too, because a lot of times there's shame around uh, women mostly, not excluding men, but mostly women when it comes to solo sex. Um, but just this picture showing uh, a woman with a glass of wine, um, her toy next, you know, beside her, and basically just showing that there was indication that she was being ready to pleasure herself. And so um, I felt like that was very empowering because, you know, it can be that. It doesn't have to be this thing that you do, and then all of a sudden you feel ashamed and feel bad or guilty that you did it. Um, it can actually be relieving. Um, it can feel good, especially in moments where, you know, you don't have a partner and you don't have to not do anything in terms of like pleasuring yourself just because you don't have a partner. You don't need a partner just to have sex. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I think that that's important. I was like, man, I forgot to talk about that earlier. But you have any other questions? Mm -mm. Thank you so much, Dr. Stasia, um, for joining us for Valentine's Day. We're in your red. Y'all make sure you check out the episode. Um, every episode, we do a shout out. And so we want to shout you out. First of all, thank you again for joining us. And then can you please let people know where to find you, like social media, LinkedIn, like what you prefer? Um, and then do you have anything that you would like them to support, to download, to go read, to go look at? Yeah. Um, so I guess, I mean, because I have a book right next to me, The Unfuck Your Intimacy. I think it's a really good book. Um, it's something that I offer my clients. Um, and you definitely don't have to be in therapy to use that book. Um, so that's something that I would recommend. And there's both like the the actual book and then there's the workbook too where you actually get to write it's kind of like your own journal um and then you know in terms of like how to reach out to me um so i can be reached via email so afrocentralbehavioralhealth at gmail.com um and um is it okay to give out like my number and yeah so i i have a number that I can be reached um directly so and that's 916-538-0472 awesome Thank you so much. So we'll put those in the show notes so y'all can email her. Um, make sure you check out that book if you're on a sexually explorative, liberating journey. Um, and then we always end each episode after the shout out with the question of the week. And this question of the week, I'm gonna shoot to you first, Dr. Stasia, is what is one piece of advice you would give your younger self? Mm, oh my gosh, that's... Um, uh, my younger self, I mean, I would say giving myself permission to be curious and being okay with that. I mean, the reason why I keep saying the word curious is because that was like my hardest one. Um, so giving myself permission to be curious and with that curiosity explore, especially because being a woman, being told I can't do certain things are, um, so I'm also very open about like the fact that I've been told many a times to cover up because like I have, uh, you know, a bigger chest and or chest area and I'm like, you know, having to give myself permission to be sexual, you know, and in my own way and the way I dress. Um, and a lot of times I prevented that from just like always covering up versus being curious about even clothing. So curiosity goes a long way with me. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, advice I would give my younger self. Mm -hmm. um, mine, although I, I wish I could think, if I had more time to think about how to make it even more like for real tactical, because if I just said it like this, it'd be like, oh, okay. Um, but mine would be something around um it's okay or you have permission to express your needs or like to to be more vocal and to explore my voice um because i think i was very much one of those people where you know you see your parents working hard you see all everything going on and just kind of like oh everything's cool and i, I think i kind of grew up learning that the goal is to not have any issues so it's like always kind of presenting okay or everything's cool and so I think that's something, if I could somehow have nipped that in the bud younger, I would try to do. 
Oh no, that's great. I definitely identify with that. Um, I was thinking about this question because I started my self-love journey 10 years ago this year. Um, and I was like, man, like what would I do? Yeah, like an official start date? Yeah. Oh, that's when cool. I really tried to say it's in June. Like starting now. Celebrate. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> well, so, well, my mentor asked me, she said, do you love yourself? And I was like, duh. Yeah. Uh, so Everybody like loves himself. And I got home and I was like, do, do I? I love myself? <laughs> what does that even mean? So shout out to that. Um, I would, two things, because I'm not good at one. So one, like just encourage myself, like you're going to be okay. But then the second thing would be to be kinder to myself. Um, Cause I feel like I'm very, very hard on myself when I'm not okay. And when, you know, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have needs. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to cry. It's okay to let stuff out. Um, it's okay to fuck up and to fail sometimes. And so just telling myself like, look doc, just be kinder to yourself, be gentle, self-compassion. Um, I wish I would have started that a long time ago. Hey, that's good too. All of these good things, big things though. <laughs> big. <laughs> these, these are all the things you have to like unwrap 20 years later in therapy yourself now. Um, but alas, we're doing the work. So thank you, Dr. Stasian, once again for being here um, to talk to us about sex. We hope all the listeners enjoy. Please leave comments on YouTube, on the uh, website, on Instagram, Twitter, all the things. Um, and thank you again for, for being here. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Valentine's Day. Yeah, same to you. Same to you both. <laughs>